Hello everyone, this is Andre, the co-founder of Twins Tours and Travel in Jerusalem in Israel, born into a Christian Maronite family, and I'm a licensed tour guide and an ordained minister of the gospel. I have been leading numerous groups throughout the Holy Land for almost 20 years. Also, I'm an author of several books, and you can find them in Amazon. And one of the first books I wrote called One Friday in Jerusalem speaks about my life story. So join me for a journey of 10 days to understand the heart and the mind of Jesus and to understand the Bible in a deeper way with more details through the Middle Eastern perspective. Please share this podcast with your friends and families and churches and connect with me if you have any questions. Welcome everyone to day number 10. This is the group last day in Jerusalem. So this is the day where the group will check out and be ready to go for a long, long journey back home. And because it's a way, way long journey, I would suggest to the pastor to have a late check out around 10 o'clock in the morning because everyone can have their breakfast on their own and then be ready to leave. And because today is the last day of the tour, we will do only one thing. We're going to do the hike on the road to Emmaus. So the drive from the hotel to the road of Emmaus is around 35 to 40 minutes. But all the group will go out of the bus and we will walk for minimum two hours on the road and you have to understand not many groups do this hike especially on the last day but I built this tour on a biblical perspective walking the land so we will end exactly after Jesus had his resurrection and he walked with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus so the bus arrived to the location in Mozza And we have to go out of the bus to walk. And the hike is around, as I said, two hours. So it's a long hike, but it's worth it to understand about what happened on the road to Emmaus. And you have to understand that little has been done to preserve the ancient remains of the Roman road. Part of it is still visible in the area where we're going to go and hike. And this is the location where Jesus traveled with two of his disciples on the day of his resurrection. Identifying the location of the village, Luke referred to Emmaus had challenged ancient pilgrims as well as modern scholars. At least we are aware of today of four sites that carry the same name and the same tradition of the road to Emmaus. So there are four different locations which I will share about. The first location is Emmaus Nicopolis and there is remains of a third century church and from the Byzantine period and also this tradition goes all the way back and we can read about it from Josephus Flavius, which he referred to this Emmaus as a polis, as a city. 
a term normally reserved for a large and well-organized population center. But we think this is a weak tradition place. Because it is 19 miles from Jerusalem, and this is a long distance for the disciples traveling by foot, and to cover in a single day, like 38 miles round trip, so Emmaus Nicopolis is a weak tradition. Because in Luke 24:33, he mentions mentioned in the scripture that the disciples went back to Jerusalem on the same day. And also in Luke 24:13, it says that the distance to Emmaus was 60 stadia. That is only about 7 miles from Jerusalem. Therefore, despite the strong and relatively early Christian tradition from the Byzantine period mentioning Emmaus Nicopolis is a weak tradition and unlikely not correct. The second location, the road to Emmaus in Mozza, that was known to have existed in the second temple period. And this Mozza Emmaus fits the information presented in Luke's Gospel far more comfortably than Emmaus Nicopolis. This is where we are now. Josephus reports that after Jerusalem fell to the Romans in 70 AD and the rebellion was suppressed, the Roman Emperor Vespasian set aside a land near Jerusalem as a settlement for veteran Roman soldiers. And there is a rabbinic evidence is so valuable for identifying this Mozza location of Luke's Emmaus for three reasons. First, the name Mozza and also the name Kalonia and its tax-exempt status connects with the Mishnah and Emmaus, the one that become the location of a Roman veteran settlement mentioned in the Mishnah. Another reason and a possible explanation of the name Mozza Colonia is that it comes from the Latin word colonia, which means colony, a term that could have loosely applied to a veteran's settlement. Moreover, a tax exemption would have been a natural incentive to encourage the Roman veterans of the war to settle in that area. So, Emmaus Mozza identification is accepted by the Mishnah and by the Jewish presence in Mozza in the Second Temple period. And Luke accounts of disciples traveling and returning home is so much appropriate because this location is seven miles from Jerusalem. So someone can hike that and come back in the same day. Yes, it's long hours, but this is what people have done, especially during the second temple period. People walk all the time. Third reason, the rabbinic description of Mozza matches Josephus' characterization of Emmaus of which is compatible with Luke's reference to the road of Emmaus. Thus, the combined evidence from Luke's Gospel, Josephus, and rabbinical literature 
strongly supports the identification of Luke Emmaus with Mozza Colonia. The third traditional Emmaus is called Kobeba. It's in the West Bank. It's a village and its distance from Jerusalem is also 60 stadius, which is 7 miles or 11 kilometers. And also this is another tradition. And Kubaiba has been confirmed by the little stream of tradition for the past 700 years up to the present day. There is an ancient church beginning of the 3rd century. And there is an early church father, Eusebius, mentions about it. Origen mentions about it. And Jerome, also in the 4th century, speak about that location and identified Cleopas village with the city of Emmaus. There's another fourth tradition, the road to Emmaus from the Crusader period and a site not far from Jerusalem in a fortified castle in ancient Ya'arim mentioned in scripture or today known by a Muslim village called Abu Ghosh and there is a crusader fortress from the 12th century standing there carrying also the tradition of the road to Emmaus. But this new location did not take hold much because it's a modern history, it's from the crusader time and also the topographical location of the village that says one of the roads that mounts to Jerusalem certainly influenced the choice of this site because of uh, the location of the village as well as the possible persistence of the local tradition but as I mentioned this is a very weak tradition so I personally and archaeologists lean more to Motsa Emmaus which is the real Emmaus. Again, where we are now. So Jesus' disciples could easily have made the trip down from Jerusalem to Motsa Emmaus and back again within the time frame that Luke describes. That was only an introduction. So what I will do, I will hike with the group for around one hour because no bus can reach to the site, we have to walk the land of the Bible. And after hiking on the road to Emmaus, at one stage I will open scripture and read the story and explain it verse by verse. I am aware that the group is tired and this is their last day, but I will tell them the best I will keep the best teaching for the end. Let us open the scripture and read from Luke 24, 13 to 35, on the road to Emmaus. Verse 13. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, verse 16, but they were kept from recognizing him, 17. He asked them, 
What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? 19. What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word, and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 24. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. 25. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us? Why? He was talking with us on the road and opened the scripture to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Let me set the stage for you and give you the background and connect the gospel stories together. So let us go back to the first century. We learned how Jesus was put to death by the Romans and that he was crucified two days earlier on Friday. And imagine with me, today is Sunday, 33 AD, and the eleven disciples were hiding in fear and sad they lost their Messiah, and they were wondering what happened to his body. The woman told them that the angel said he was risen, but they did not believe the woman. You have to understand in the first century, women had no much status, and their witness was not accountable, and they thought they had been so much emotional because the woman loved Jesus so much. So they are not legit. If they hear from a man, it is a different story. 
so we can understand why the men did not believe what the woman had told them. That was common at that time, to think that women might see things because of their emotional status and their deep love to their Messiah. Women have great emotions so that the disciples did not believe them. And with all this news, Peter and John ran to the tomb and they saw the grave opened. John believed, but Peter did not yet. And it was at that late morning that the two of the disciples left Jerusalem to Emmaus. Despite Jesus told them not to leave Jerusalem, but stay till they receive the Holy Spirit. Let us read verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. By the way, Emmaus in English, Amwas in Aramaic, Amwas, which literally means the hot springs, which is a village outside of Jerusalem, seven miles. So imagine with me, the disciples are depressed. They lost their hope in their own Messiah to save Israel from the Roman occupation. They lost the hope to bring justice back to the Jews. This is what they thought was the Messiah job. And Jesus asked from them to stay in Jerusalem and not to leave. But these two disciples did not obey Jesus. They thought he died and he is a false Messiah. So they decided to leave Jerusalem. Probably they were depressed and so much disappointed, and they wanted to go just back home. Despite they heard from Peter and John that the tomb was empty, they left in the middle of the feast of the unleavened bread, the feast of Passover, that lasts for one week. So they were so disappointed that they did not want even to attend the feast. Sunday morning, they left Jerusalem left all the hopes they had within them and decided to go back to their own town and back to their own households. That was a very strange thing for Jews to do. Just to live in the middle of the feast, it's unheard of. Imagine, they lost faith in their Jewish leadership. They lost faith in the Jewish Messiah. The man that raised people from the dead himself died. Verse 14. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Probably they were talking about all the events that took place and what Jesus had done. Let me stretch you. Stories such as healing of the blind, healing of the lame, the many miracles Jesus that he done. They were talking about the triumphal entrance to Jerusalem, the cleansing of the temple, and they thought that they will get their freedom and the king will save them from the Roman occupation. And they were talking about how then Jesus was crucified and then how they heard about the empty tomb as they were going down the road, wandering, what was happening? They were just trying to understand the things in their mind 
from a logical perspective. They tried to make it all together, but they lost hope. They were so depressed and disappointed. And how many times we lost hope? How many times we got depressed and disappointed? Because we prayed and we thought that the Lord did not answer our prayers as if he was dead. This is a very similar situation. Let's continue. Verses 15 and 16. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Maybe they were wondering who would take the body out of the tomb. They were thinking why and where they would take it, and who did it. The discussions must continue until another person joined the conversation. Look how Jesus gently approached them. He felt their distress. They were so depressed. And that when you are so depressed, your eyes get closed to the reality around you. And you cannot see or realize what is happening in front of you. The more you are depressed, the more you get isolated from the truth. And your eyes get closed. The depression and the disappointment controlled them. And they did not recognize him as Jesus. But still, gently, Jesus got involved in the situation. He knew exactly what was happening. But still, he asked them a question. Let us look in verse 17. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. Look how much compassion Jesus had for them. When someone is depressed and you approach him, it is better to listen to him and ask him questions, even if you are aware of the answers. This is what good Christian counseling is all about. The depressed person needs someone to listen to him, for him to get it all out. And Jesus had done the same thing. And he was listening to them for long hours. We learn to listen to hurted people until they get all their troubles out. Just listen and try not to talk about yourself. Just listen, because depressed people can talk for so many hours about their situation and how much they are frustrated. The more they are hurt, the more they need to talk. And for someone to listen to them even, they were walking for long hours, imagine, and Jesus was listening to them first for so many hours. For them, they were so much frustrated, the two disciples, and lost hope, and they were just telling everything to this strange man. Look at verse 18. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? One of the two, his name is Cleopas. 
and the one with him may have been his wife. We cannot be certain. Some scholars suggest it was Luke himself. But in John 19.25 tells us that there was a woman whose name was Mary and she was married to Cleopas. Let me read John 19.25. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalena. A Jewish tradition tells us that Cleopas was Joseph's brother and therefore a blood relative of Jesus. They were hoping that their nephew would become the Redeemer of Israel. Also, we have another source from Bishop Eusebius, early from the 4th century, mentions that Cleopas was a brother of Joseph. Look what he wrote in Eusebius chapter 3. Paragraph 11. After the martyrdom of James and the capture of Jerusalem, which instantly followed, there is a firm tradition that those of the apostles and disciples of the Lord who were still alive assembled from all parts together with those who, humanly speaking, were kinsmen of the Lord, for most of them were still living. Then, they all discussed together whom they should choose as a fit person to succeed James and voted anonymously that Simon, son of the Cleopas, mentioned in the gospel narrative, was a fit person on, to occupy the throne of Jerusalem church. He was, so it said, a cousin of the Savior. For Hegesippus tells us that Cleopas was Joseph's brother. So this is only another confirmation that the two disciples were Cleopas and his wife Mary. Then, after listening to them, Jesus asked them a question. Please, after you listen to hurt people and depressed people, let them talk as much as they want and then start asking them questions. To understand the situation better and make them feel connected to you in order for you to teach them the truth. This is what Jesus approached. Jesus knew everything, but he wanted the two disciples to talk about it and get it all out. Usually Jesus asked questions for this purpose. He was a teacher. Remember, he was a rabbi. So teachers always ask questions even if they are aware of the answers. Let us continue by reading verses 19 and 20. 19. What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and all rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Jesus asked, what are you talking about? Look, what is this discussion that you are involved in? They even did not recognize his voice. This is how much they were depressed. You can tell a lot about a person from his voice, but still their eyes were closed. Imagine how painful was their experience because they lost all the hope that they had for their Messiah. And they do not realize he is the one talking to them. 
Jesus asked them, what things happened in Jerusalem? What are the sad things you are talking about? They think that he is a stranger in town. He did not hear the sad news, that he never heard of Jesus. They started to explain for him things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. A man who was a prophet, his name Jesus means salvation of God. He was from Nazareth, the prophetic branch from the line of Jesse, with amazing signs and miracles. They did not understand at that moment that God allowed Jesus to be a curse for us bearing our sin, that all who receives him as a savior, his sins will be removed and forgiven. So Jesus had to become a curse for our sake and for their sins as well. Jesus was so careful during his ministry not to declare himself as the Messiah. The Jews at that time thought that when the Messiah will come, he will conquer Rome and bring them freedom from the occupation and bring justice. Jews at that time were thinking of a political Messiah. And that is not what he came to do. He did not say it out loud until his trial came. And they put him under an oath to tell the truth. And at that time, only Jesus said, I am. He said plainly that he was the Messiah. Let us look in verse 21. They continued to explain for this man that they hoped Jesus would be the Redeemer of Israel. Verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. How ironic. He had just redeemed them. And they are saying we hoped he was the Redeemer of Israel. Sometimes, and many times, we do not realize what all he had done for us. Just like they did not realize then, they had no understanding of what he accomplished. Let us continue reading, 22 to 24. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. So here Cleopas is telling Jesus about the testimony of the woman in the tomb, how Peter and John had gone and found the tomb empty. And they are telling Jesus they do not know how to make sense out of all that. They were so much confused. They tried to reason in their mind that something else happened, than to believe in his resurrection. After all they thought it is impossible that Jesus would rise after three days. To add to their confusion, Rome also got to put soldiers over the tomb, so resurrection would not take place. They tried to understand things by their own mind and their own logic. And this is Look what Jesus answered in verse 25. He made him upset. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. 
Jesus started to rebuke them. He said to them how foolish and slow heart, not only because they had forgotten what he said clearly many times that he will rise from death on the third day and they knew that. And they did not look at all the prophetic writings and believing them in order to make sense of what took place. Mary and Cleopas, the two disciples, had done exactly what we always do, instead of focusing on the Word of God and how to give interpretations according to Scripture. We tend to focus on ourselves. Mary and Cleopas, the two disciples, were focused only on themselves. We try many times to interpret the Bible the way it fits our lives. We try to make sense of it in our minds. And Jesus calls that foolish. Jesus' ministry was fulfillment of one prophecy after another. Why would his death be any different? They should look in God's word to find why he died and why the tomb was empty. And not to do so is just really foolish. We have this tendency to be like this couple. In order to understand the word conditions around us, we should look at the word of God in our mind and focus and study scripture. But instead we look for reasonings. We use other kind of books to read, not only the Bible. We read many books about wisdom. We go to other sources of power to find answers instead of the declarations and focus of God's word. Look at the New Age movement, even affecting the church today, and all the cults around us that is rising every day. They divert us from knowing the truth. Unless your mind is saturated with the word of God, those methods will get us nowhere. We will be chasing conspiracy theories. Look what's happening today in the news. We listen to the news all the time with all the different opinions. We get distracting from doing the main thing which is focus on the Word of God. Look what Scripture tells us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. That's written in Luke ten twenty seven. But what happens? All our minds get focused on the news and all other things except the Word of God. This is what happened to the two disciples. They were focused on themselves and in the news of Jerusalem. They were distracted all the time by the, all the information coming to them, only thinking from their minds. Don't misunderstand me. It's important to hear the news, but do not let it control your life because it's all passing and just talks and just gossiping. All the news is like temporary. But the word of God, the kingdom of God is eternal. Let me share with you what the prophets have spoken about the Messiah. I will share with you few prophecies that started hundreds of years before all of this happened 
if only these two disciples just focused on scripture and on all these prophecies, they would recognize him. I will share with you prophecies from the Hebrew scripture, even mentioned from thousand years before Christ all the way to 500 years after Christ. I will start with the most important prophecy, the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. That is written in Micah chapter 5 verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrata, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Also in Isaiah 7.14, he will be born from a virgin. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. His ministry will be in the area of the tribe of Zebulun and Naphtali in Galilee. This is another prophecy, Matthew 4, 14 and 15. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death upon them a light dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Another prophecy, Isaiah 42, 7. He will give sight to the blind. Another prophecy, Isaiah 35, 5. He will cause the deaf to hear. Look what is written. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. Matthew 11:5. He will cause the lame to walk and the blind to see. Those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. We have so many prophecies. Psalm 22:16. His hands and feet will be pierced. Isaiah 53:12. He will die with criminals. Isaiah 53:9. He will be buried in a rich man's tomb. If the two disciples just were focused on the Hebrew scripture, on the word of God, and not the news around them, they will recognize all these prophecies. Why did they not look about what the prophets had spoken? That what Jesus was asking them, it was so clear from all the prophecies, but they forgot all of them and got busy with the daily life and the negative news around them. They got in the word rather than in the word of God. Let us not do like them. Whatever the world around us is going through, and what is the world around us doing, do not be distracted to, from the word of God. Please focus in the word of God, especially what's happening nowadays with the news, with the elections, with the amount of information coming to you, you get so much distracted. Just go back and focus on scripture. Look what is written now in verse 26. 
Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? This is what they had missed. It was necessary for the Lamb of God to be sacrificed. This is what is mentioned in Isaiah chapter 53 from verses 5 to 12. Look, this is an important prophecy and this is why I want to read it to you because we need to focus on the Word of God, to focus on Scripture. Isaiah 53, 5-12 But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Verse 8. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was punished. Verse 9. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offering and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. 11. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Last verse 12. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is all was prophesied and said 700 years before Jesus, before it happened. And the two disciples, if they were focused on the word of God, on the Hebrew scripture, which they had, they would exactly know what was happening, but they were focused on other things. Let us go back and read verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Look, Jesus did not start with Isaiah, what I read. He started with the Torah, probably, in Genesis. Then he was talking about it in Exodus, and he cheered about Moses. Moses in Exodus left his position to take his people out from slavery, through the wilderness to the promised land. And Jesus himself left heavens, humbled himself came down to save us, to take us out of the slavery of sin through the wilderness of life to enter the promised land, the house of rest, our heavenly home. Probably Jesus explained through all the scriptures 
Maybe he recalled for them the story of Abraham and the sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Or maybe he went all the way back to the Garden of Eden that God provided to cover their sinful nature through the blood of the Lamb and the promise that the seed of the woman will crush the serpent head. And then Jesus went through the book of the prophets and through all the scriptures related to himself. And probably they have been talking for like five hours by now. This is the longest message Jesus ever taught. What a Bible study he gave them. Maybe this is the longest one ever because of the road takes a lot of time and people are used to walking and talking a lot at that time of history. Verse 28 As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. We can see that their spirit changed from being so depressed to a spirit of hope. The climax that they invited Jesus to stay with them. They talked everything out of them. They come to a place that they are feeling they are much more healed. They are remembering all these prophecies and this stranger is telling them all, all these prophecies from the word of God and their eyes is just like starting to change and their hearts and their minds remembering being back focused on the word of God. And then they are reaching to a road that's going to split and go to a different direction. And by the way, this is how villages were connected through the roads. And sometimes the roads split out to go to back to the village and continues to another direction or another village. Sometimes we lose direction. Sometimes we don't know where to go. But here is Jesus with them, directing them. Sometimes when we run away from Jerusalem, go our own path. The Holy Spirit direct us back. How the Holy Spirit can direct us back? By reading scripture. And look what happened here. Jesus was going to continue in his path. But they pleaded with him to stay with them that they can hear more. The Holy Spirit can do the same thing with us. When we run away from Jerusalem, when we get depressed from the situation around us. And get confused and go to another village or sin reading the word of god in our lives will direct us back to jerusalem as we study the scripture he can show us which path to turn back verse 30 and 31 when he was at the table with them he took bread gave thanks broke it and began to give it to them then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Look, they naturally wanted from the stranger to stay and to say the blessing before the meal. By the way, this was the custom to honor the guest. He will say the blessings before they eat. 
And when Jesus said the blessing, he raised his hands up to heaven. And he said it like he usually did. Father, blessed are you, the Lord our God, the King of the universe, who brings us bread from the earth. And he broke the bread and he gave it to them. Oh, they were wondering. He said, Father, that is exactly how Jesus prayed. Now their eyes were opened and they said, look at his hands. And he was gone just like that. Verse 32. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Their hearts were burst of joy, not because they have seen him alive only, but because he opened for them the scripture that is to have our eyes opened. We have to focus on scripture. People all around the world read the Bible and they cannot see Jesus in all the scriptures. The most wonderful things we can see in the Torah is Jesus. He is everything perfect that we could desire. Verse 33 to 35. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So after their eyes were opened, they returned back to Jerusalem and went seven miles. You know, going up back to Jerusalem, it's very steep and harder than going down. But they were so much excited. They were so much full of joy and their hearts were burning. They wanted to give the good news for the other disciples. They did not care about the miles or the distance or the time of the day. Probably they made it like in half of the time going back because they were so much excited. Like they made it probably in four hours because they rushed back with joy up to Jerusalem. And they arrived there. It was in the evening, even it was dark. They did not care. And upon arriving, the disciples have told them that the Lord appeared to Simon Peter. And that confirmed what the women were saying that morning. And then Cleopas tells his story. How Jesus explained from the scriptures the fulfillment of God's words in him. And how they realized who he was when he broke the bread. So now we have two male witnesses, Cleopas and Simon, Peter. And when you have two male witnesses, more people will believe the story. And their hearts are starting to rejoice, full of hope, because of the risen Jesus. They were so much rejoicing and so much happy because they see all the scriptures fulfilled in him. And his resurrection is confirmed. And I will ask from all the group now, after hearing all of this teaching, for their hearts to be on fire, to read the word of God, to focus on scripture, their hearts to burn for the revelation of the power of resurrection.
And with this spirit of encouragement, with the spirit of resurrection of Christ, I will tell the group, go back home and fill and give this joy to other people, not keep it to yourself. And let all your friends, your church members, to hear about your trip to the land of Israel and how your hearts are burning to go back to your own family and to read more from the Word of God and be a testimony for His love to be revealed through this world, through this entire earth. Focus on Him. Focus on the Word of God. And do not focus on the news or what's happening around you. Do not be distracted. Just be focused on reading the word of God. And you're going to be above all the storms. You're going to be above all the troubles. You're going to be above all the world. Because you have the resurrected Jesus in your life. So all the group are in the bus and they are full of joy and they are so happy and encouraged because they will arrive home very soon. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. I'm so excited about my fourth book, Walking the Land, that will be released soon. So if you have any questions or from the scripture or from the Bible, do not hesitate to contact me directly or to go and check my website www.twinstours.org I promise you I always answer all my emails. It might take me one to two days to answer back but definitely every question is important. So if you have been listening to all the podcasts and you have any question or you have a word of encouragement that your hearts were touched by the teachings, please share it with me. Or if you have any comments or any, any, any simple questions or hard questions, please do not hesitate to email me personally through the website. I hope you are enjoying this teaching and I pray that the Holy Spirit is touching your lives and changing your lives. Lord, I pray for the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit and the revelation of your scripture to come down on every person hearing this podcast. Lord, open their hearts, open their minds to see you through scripture. I pray for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the revelation of the word of God to come on my brothers and sisters to see Jesus in his own heart and in his own mind through the Middle Eastern eyes. And I need your prayers. Please keep praying for me to flow under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and to continue to be nearby the heart of God and to do his will in my life. It's not about us. It's about him to be glorified in us. Bless your hearts.